You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcast series are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. We win in Christ. So I want you to tag a friend, let them know that we're live. And remember now, you can, after the podcast series, I'm going to answer questions. I got my iPad here ready. Any questions or comments you want to share with me or ask me at the end of the podcast, I'm going to answer those questions. I'll share your comment. And listen, share the podcast with someone else. You can get uh, you, you can get on this podcast on uh, audio, uh, iTunes, and you can get it wherever you get your podcast series. I believe it's going to be a blessing for you. I believe it's going to change your life. I'm going to begin a new series today. You know, this this year. Um, I, my theme is on godly uh, prosperity. And the Spirit of God in, at the beginning of the year said to me to focus on mind renewal. So on our Sunday uh, service uh, telecast, I'm teaching on prospering in bad times. I'm going to begin another series here today, which is a mind renewal series. I've said this before, we come into the kingdom, we receive Jesus Christ into our lives, we're brand new on the inside, we're reborn in our human spirit, but our soul needs to be saved, our soul or our mind needs to be renewed. We come into the kingdom with a mindset or a way of thinking that is out of alignment with uh, God's way of thinking and God's will and purpose for our lives. Now, most people, Christians, we tell them to renew your minds, but most Christians don't really know how to do that. So what I'm doing, I'm partnering with you this year to study the word and and get the scriptures and, and get the subject matter out so you can have what it takes to renew your mind. So we're going to begin a series today, a new series, a, a companion series entitled the no lack state of life. The no lack state of life. And this is our part uh, one, our first episode, the no lack state of life. God's desire for his children is that they prosper in life and experience no Lack. I'm going to say that statement again. God's desire for his children is that they prosper in life and experience no lack. Now, I want you to set it as a goal to enter into and experience the no lack state of life. There is a place in God where you can operate in a no lack state. I want to define our term. Let's talk about lack for a minute, and then I want to 
give you a scriptural basis for this state that I'm talking about. It's going to be just absolutely uh, a blessing for you to understand this. The word lack means to, to want, W-A-N-T, to be in need. The word lack means to be without that which is essential or be without that which is necessary. The word lack means to be deficient. It means something missing. Now listen at this. The word lack means to be behind. God never wants you to be behind. The word lack means to come late. God doesn't want you to be late. The word lack means to come up short. To come up short. God never wants you to come up short. Now, prosperity is multifaceted. I'm focusing on financial and material prosperity, but man has five basic needs, spirit, spiritual, mentally, emotional, physical, social, which has to do with relationships, and financial. So prosperity has to do with the whole of man. And I believe that it is God's desire that you enter into a place that I'm calling the no lack state of life. I'm going to give you a proof text for what I'm teaching as an introduction. The Bible says that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. I am saying to you, there is a place in God where you can operate in a no lack state. When you look around your life, the whole of your life, there is no lack. Now, the Father speaks to us in the Old Testament. Jesus speaks to us in the Gospels, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us in uh, the New Testament, the epistles. So let's go back to uh, the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 7 through 9, in the New King James Version, the, the Father God is speaking. He says, For the Lord your God is bringing you, now he's talking to his people Israel, he's bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive, a land of olive oil, a land of honey, a land in which you shall eat bread without scarcity, in which you lack nothing. Now, the Father is speaking in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 7 through 9, and this is our first proof text. He says that I'm bringing you into a land where you will eat bread without scarcity. In other words, living from pay to pay, payday to payday. In other words, uh, hand, you, you earn it, uh, hand-to-mouth resist. 
uh, experience, existence. He don't want you to live like that. He don't want you to live from payday to payday. He said, you're going to eat bread without scarcity. And he says, now this is the father speaking. He says that I'm going to bring you into a land in which you lack nothing. In which you lack nothing. I'm talking about the no lack state of life. Now, that's the Father. And we know that the Father and the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are one. So let's see what Jesus says in the gospel. In Luke chapter 22, verse 35, again in the New King James Version, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He has sent them out. He had commissioned them to go out and preach. And listen what he says to, hear, to them at, near the end of his time on earth. Listen what he says. And Jesus said unto them, his disciples, when I sent you without money, bag, knapsack, and sandal, he says to this disciple, did you lack anything? And their response, they said nothing. Now, notice what Jesus said to them. He sent them out to heal the sick, to cast out devils. He sent them out to, to, to establish the kingdom of God. And he sent them out, and he said, don't take all these things with you. In other words, don't take all your provision with you. I'm going to take care of you. And notice what he says, that when I sent you out, he's asking his disciples, did you lack anything? Did you come up short? Were you late? Were you deficient in anything? And they said nothing. In other words, they said we lacked nothing. Now, that's Jesus. The father in Deuteronomy chapter 7 says that I'm going to bring you into a land where you lack nothing. Jesus said, when I sent you out, did you lack anything? They said, we lack nothing. Now, let's listen to the Holy Spirit, our third witness. I'm telling you, listener, that there is a no lack state. And it's God's will for every believer, every Christian, to enter into a state in your life where there is no lack, no lack for anything, no lack, a no lack state. And I want you to, to evaluate your life. Now, listen to the Holy Spirit. He's speaking through the Apostle Paul, who is writing to the church at Thessalonica. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11 through 12 in the New King James Version. I'm giving you the text because I want you to go back and I want you to meditate the scripture because we're renewing our minds. We're, we're taking what God says about it and we're exchanging it for our uh, way of thinking that was out of alignment with God. So listen what Paul says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church at Thessalonica. He says in verse 11 that you also aspire, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, 
to work with your own hands as we commanded you that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. Now, he's writing to the New Testament church, and he's saying in a nutshell that the productive life, and that's what we want to live, we want to live the productive life. He says that the productive life is connected to diligence in your personal affairs. Now, on Sundays, prospering in bad times, I'm sharing with you the laws of the kingdom. In this particular text, he's saying that productivity, a productive, successful life, is connected to uh, diligence in our personal affairs. So let's look at this text again. He said that you also aspire to lead a quiet life. In other words, he's saying to the Christians, it's important that you avoid unnecessary conflict. Avoid unnecessary conflict. And he tells us how to avoid unnecessary conflict. He says to mind your own business. In other words, don't engage life questioning and wondering and talking and gossiping about what others are doing or not doing. Stay focused on your own personal affairs, your own assignments, your own responsibilities, and get out of other folks' business. I think social media is a wonderful thing. I think it's a beautiful thing. I thank God that I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Facebook right now. But so often we spend our time in gossip and a lot of things about what somebody else is doing and what somebody else is saying. But the scripture tells us to mind our own business. It tells us to work with our own hands. In other words, we're to be responsible and that you may walk worthy or properly toward those who are outside. Now, he says that if you will avoid unnecessary conflict, lead a quiet life, if you will mind your own business, stay focused on your purpose, your assignment, if you will work with your own hands, be responsible, in other words, it's important how you work. It's important your work ethic. It's important that you be responsible. It's important that you not just sit around dependent on somebody else to help you. Now watch what it says. Then the result will be twofold. He says that you will walk properly toward those that are outside. In other words, you will maintain a good witness and testimony to unbelievers. Now, notice our testimony is connected to our work environment, our personal affairs, and how we handle our personal affairs. Are we paying our bills on time? Do we have good credit? All those kinds of things, how we perform our task at work. Unbelievers are watching us, our attitude, how we perform at work, all these things are part of our testimony and our witness. 
He says, if you do this, two things will happen. You will maintain a good testimony to unbelievers, and then he says, you may lack nothing. So we back to this lacking nothing. Now, I've given you three witness. The Father is speaking in Deuteronomy chapter 8, 7 through 9 about a land where you lack nothing. In Luke 22, 35, Jesus is speaking that when he sent his disciples out and they, they went out for three years, he said, did you lack anything? They lack nothing. And then the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives us a formula or gives us principles on how to live a productive life. And he says the result will be that you will lack nothing. So we can see that it is the Father's will. It is God's purpose. It is God's plan that you and I live a life without lack, a no-lack state. Come on, say that, a no-lack state. God wants you to have a and to experience a no-lack state. When you look in your life, God doesn't want you to have lack in any area, no area in your life, spirit, soul, body, socially, financially. It is God's will that you live and operate in a no-lack state. Now, you may have never heard that term before, so I'm going to say it over and over and over because I want you to think no lack. I want you to think no lack. Now, let's talk now about the comprehensive nature of this no lack state. Now, I'm focusing on financial and material prosperity this year, but, but prosperity is bigger than just finances. And most of the principles that I'm teaching you will apply to anything. So I want the rest of the way to talk about the comprehensive nature of this no-lack state, the comprehensive nature. Now, let's look at a Psalms uh, that I learned in Sunday school, Psalms 23. When I was, when I was a kid, uh, we had, at that time, what we call Sunday school. Now, it was a basically a small group Bible study that met before the regular uh, Sunday worship service. And when I was growing up in my neighborhood, most of us kids, we, we went to Sunday school. My parents always made me go to Sunday school. But usually after Sunday school was over, I went home. Because in our minds, the regular worship service were for adults. But we loved going to Sunday schools because uh, the Sunday school had to do with your age, if you had certain classes, and, and, and I was raised up in Sunday school. And these psalms was a psalm that I learned in Sunday school, Psalms 23. It is probably the most popular psalm in uh, the book of Psalms, Psalms 23. Every Bible student has at some point 
study Psalms 23. I want to walk you through it, and I want to teach you this psalm, and I want you to see the comprehensive nature of the no-lack state. So allow me to give you some introductory uh, thoughts about it. Psalms 23, and we're going to be looking at it in the New King James Version. Psalms 23 describes the qualities and relationship of the good shepherd with those under his care. It describes the qualities and the relationship of the good shepherd with those under his care. To understand uh, Psalms 23, we have to understand that it is communicated in the, in the light of Eastern culture, Middle Eastern culture, and the Eastern shepherd. The Eastern shepherd led his sheep, provided food and water for the sheep, took care of the sheep when they were weary, bruised, and sick. The eastern shepherd protected the sheep from wild animals, from snakes and poisonous plants. And the, the, the eastern shepherd rescued the sheep when they went astray. In other words, David is, is, use, have, is communicating in an analogy, and he's saying that this good shepherd, the eastern Shepherd took care of all the needs of his sheep. And the sheep were totally dependent on the shepherd. Now listen at this. The analogy for us, the analogy represents the relationship between Jesus and believers Jesus, who's the head of the church, he is the good shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. And the analogy represents Jesus' relationship to believers. We're the sheep of his sheepfold. Now watch this. And that Jesus is more than adequate to meet every need that the believer has. Jesus is more adequate than adequate to meet every need. Now, I want you to think about all of your needs, spiritual, mentally, emotional, physical, social, which has to do with relationships, and financial. Jesus is more than adequate. So as I walk you through this Psalms, I want you to listen. I want you to think about your personal life. Then I want you to go back and I want you to read it and I want you to meditate on the lesson because I want you to see God's plan for your life is that you walk in a no lack state. No lack. Now look at verse 1 in the New King James Version. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, I want you to say that after me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Come on, say that after me again. The Lord 
is my shepherd, I shall not want. Come on, let's say it one more time. Now, remember, you're saying that he's your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, is my shepherd. I shall not want. I quoted that for years. I said that for years. And Christians uh, that have studied the Bible, they've quoted that. We've sermonized that. But let's look at that first verse in some other translations. The, the Psalms 23.1 in Young's literal translation. And Young uh, was a Greek, uh, uh, a Hebrew scholar. Now listen what he says. Jehovah is my shepherd. I do not lack. Jehovah is my shepherd. I do not lack. Now let's look at this same verse in the NIV, the New International Version, Psalms 23, 1. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. Now, let's look at in, in God's word translation. It says, Lord is my shepherd. I'm never in need. That's a good translation. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm never in need. And finally, let's look, listen to it in the Living Bible, according to Kenneth Taylor. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Now, think about it. I'm going to ask you a question. I already, knew, I already know the answer, but I'm going to ask you a question. Is the Lord your shepherd? I see your hand going up now. Is the Lord your shepherd? Is the Lord your shepherd? Well, this verse says that if the Lord is our shepherd, there's a consequence. There's a result. If the Lord is my shepherd and I'm following the good shepherd, if the Lord, then the text says, I shall not want. The text says, I do not lack. The text says, I lack nothing. The text says, I'm never in need. The text says, I, I have everything I need. In other words, if the Lord is our shepherd, then we should be operating in a no-lack state. A no-lack state. That's the power of that verse. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, we see a dichotomy here. We see, we see something in conflict here. Many of us, we say that the Lord is our shepherd. We quote it. But when we look at our lives, we see all these unmet needs. And I'm saying to you, not to make you feel bad, not to put you down. I'm saying to you, that's not God's purpose. That's not God's plan for your life. So let's walk through the rest of it. The rest of the, it's just six verses. 
just six verses. Let's walk through the rest of it, and I want you to see the comprehensive nature, comprehensive nature of this no-lack state, and then I'm going to give you an assignment at the end. Listen at this, verse 2. In verse 2, we see the no-lack for rest, no-lack for peace. No-lack for rest, no-lack for peace. Walking through life with peace, walking through life at rest. We shouldn't be tired all the time. We shouldn't be frustrated in our minds all the time. No lack for rest, no lack for peace. Verse 2 says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, sheep will never lie down. They will never lie down if they're not, if they're not free from fear, free from friction, free from flies, free from hunger. A, a sheep will never lie down if it's hungry. And it's not going to drink from water if it's a flowing, fast-flowing brook. So much of the time, the shepherd will actually dam up the brook so the waters will be still so that the sheep will drink. God's plan is that you operate and live with total rest and total peace. That's possible for you. Total rest and total peace. Not frustrated. You shouldn't, he doesn't want you walking around frustrated. That shouldn't walk tormenting it, frustrated. No, no, no. No lack for rest, no lack for peace. In verse 3, the A part, the first part of the verse, we see no lack for restoration. It says, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. The good shepherd restores my soul. Cast sheep, a cast sheep is a sheep that has fallen on its back and can't get up. A cast sheep is a sheep that has fallen on its back and it can't get up. It can't get up by itself. And in life, there are times when we, we just can't get up. You ever been in a situation where you felt like, I just can't get out of this. I just can't overcome this. You feel like you're on your back. You need somebody to help you. You're a cast sheep. The Bible says he restores your soul. In other words, he'll lift you up, he'll flick you back over and get you started again. No lack for restoration. I don't care what situation you're in, he wants to flip you back over so you can be right side up and begin again. No lack for restoration. The third verse, the latter part of the verse, the B part of the verse we see no lack for guidance. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I want you to notice that the word path in verse 3 is plural. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. The word righteousness there means two things. It means he leads us in the right way. And it also means he leads us into prosperity. The word righteousness in the Hebrew, if you set it out, it means prosperity. But notice paths of prosperity. So listen at this. 
all sheep, that's you and I, believers, Jesus is our shepherd, all sheep has or have a unique path of prosperity. We're not going to all take the same path. I'm in full-time ministry. It's a path of prosperity that I'm in. I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. I'm called to minister. I'm called to do this full-time. Your path may be a teacher, school teacher. Your path may be politics. Your path may be government. Your path may be in technology. Your path may be writing a book. Your path may be in business. Your path may be in sales. But the Bible says that this good shepherd leads us into the path, plural, our unique path of prosperity. Now watch this. And he does it for his namesake. It is important to God that you be in a, a, a no-lack state, but it's not just about you. It's about him. When my children were, were small, my wife and I, we were very committed to them having everything that they needed. We wanted them to have clothes. We wanted them to have food. We wanted them to have shelter. We wanted to help them things that they wanted beyond their needs, bicycles and all the different things. We wanted them to engage in activities. We wanted their needs to be supplied. We would have been embarrassed if our children had gone to school without anything to eat, without lunch money, without food. We would have been embarrassed if our children had gone to school and had no clothes to wear, tattered clothes, worn clothes. They were half-dressed. Why? Because we're the parents, and our reputation was on stake. Not only did we love them, but they represented us. That's the way God feels. He wants you to prosper, be in a no-need state, because his image is on the line. In other words, you're telling everyone that you're his child. He wants you to represent him by operating in a no-need state. In other words, when people see you and your needs are met, and they ask you, well, how are you doing this? How are you doing this? You can say, my father takes care of me. My father, God loves me. My father. Now, your life becomes a testimony, a witness. You're letting your light shine. So now notice, no lack for guidance. He wants to guide you in the paths of prosperity. Then we see in verse 4, no lack for safety, no lack for protection, and no lack for God's presence. He wants you to experience safety at all times, protection at all times. He wants his presence to be with you all the time. Verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So late at night, when you're lying in your bed, he doesn't want you to be afraid. When you're at home and you're alone, he doesn't want you to be afraid. He doesn't want you to be afraid. If you're out traveling, going back and forth, he doesn't want you to be afraid. I will fear no evil. Why? You're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
The sheep in Eastern culture lived in the lowlands in the winter, and they went to the top land, the high land, uh, for pasture in the summer. But they had to pass through the valley. Now, in the valley were uh, a lot of obstacles. The shepherd had to lead his sheep through the valley, through the valley, to get to the high lands. He's leading them through. Storms would, rainstorms would flood the valley. So he had to lead the sheep through floods. Wild animals would be lurking in the valley. So he had to protect them in the valley. The valley represents any difficult experience that you're facing in life. The valley represents any type of disappointment. Now, the scripture says, yea, though we walk through the valley. God doesn't want you to camp out in the valley. He doesn't want you to live in the valley. No, he's going to lead you through it. You're going to get to the other side of it, and he's going to protect you while you're in it. No matter what you're in, adversity right now, he's going to lead you through it. The word through means in one side, out the other. In one side, out the other. So he's going to lead you through the valley, through it. That's his job. He's in there with you in the valley, and he's leading you out of the valley. Now, the shepherd's presence is what removed the sheep's fear. Rod and staff. The shepherd's presence, he had a rod and he had a staff. That rod, he beat off wild animals. He beat down snakes. But with that staff, he would guide the sheep and keep them from falling off the cliff. He grabbed them sometime with the, with the neck of that, that staff and pulled them up out of danger. The Bible, the rod is God's word, and the staff is his spirit. And we always have his word, and we always have his spirit. And when you're in trouble, I've said this for years, don't run from God, run to God. Run to the word. Get in the Word. Meditate in the Word. You lose a loved one, listen to weep not. Get in the Word. Meditate in the Word. You have a disappointment, get in the Word. Meditate in the Word. You're in some tough times, get in the Word. Meditate in the Word. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to strengthen you. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Confess with your mouth, I'm not alone. The Holy Spirit is with me. The rod and the staff. No lack for safety. No lack for protection. No lack for the presence of God. Then in verse 5, there's no lack for provision. This is the comprehensive nature. No lack for provision. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anointeth my, oil, my head with oil. And he says, my cup runneth over. Now notice he prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies a table, and my cup runs over. Now, on that table is material provision, abundance, in abundance. There's healing and health provision because the oil represents healing. The shepherd would put oil in the ear of the sheep and in the nose of the sheep to, to, to deal with the flies and the insects and, and, and to help with skin diseases. There's relationship provision, whether you need a friend or a spouse or other kinds of partnership. 
their service provision. The oil also represents the anointing to serve God. That table provides everything that you need. It is a provision table, material provision, health provision, relationship provision, anointing and service provision. And then number, number, uh, number six, verse six, the A part of the verse, there's no lack for favor, no lack for mercy. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness of God is the favor of God. That favor is there on your life. I'm talking about that this Sunday. The favor of God is on your, the unmerited blessings, but, but mercy. Thank God for his forgiveness because on this journey, there are going to be times when we're going to miss it. We're going to make some mistakes, but surely goodness and mercy God not giving us what we deserve. God's forgiveness was purchased on the cross 2,000 years ago. So we can always repent. We can always change our minds. We can always get back together, get back to God. There's no place in God where we can't have forgiveness because he forgave us 2,000 years ago. And then finally in verse 6b, it says, no lack for family and corporate gatherings and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's family. That's the church. That's the local church. That's fellowship. And I think during this pandemic, you and I have really, I don't know about you. I, I believe it's true of you. I have really missed church. I have really mi missed the gathering. We can minister the word. I'm ministering the word online. We hear the word on Sundays. We can go to our app and listen to the word and all that is important. But there's something about the local church and the gathering. And I miss you. I miss the flock. I miss the members of my church. I miss being uh, in the house. He says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And it's going to change. It's going to come back around. The day will come where we will gather. But I think this time helps us to appreciate what that gathering means to all of us. Now, I want to give some concluding statements, and if you have any comments, you can send me your comments, you can send me your questions, but I want to make some concluding statements, and I want to give you some instructions. I believe that Psalms 23 is a picture of the comprehensive nature of the no lack state that God wants his children to experience, but also to walk in throughout their life. Now, what's interesting about Psalms 23 is that it is sandwiched between Psalms 22 and it's sandwiched between Psalms 24. If you read Psalms 22, it speaks to the past. It is a prophetic, prophetic uh, representation of Jesus' work on the cross. Read it. Read Psalms 22, and you will see 
that the psalmist is walking us through the redemptive work of Jesus is showing us him on the cross, which has to do with the past. But Psalms 24, O ye gates, open up ye gates, and the king of glory will come. Psalms 24 really is a prophetic declaration of the future, the return of the king, the return of Jesus back to his own, to take his own to himself. So we have the past work of Jesus, Psalms 22, and we have the future work of Jesus, the return of Jesus, but Psalms 23 represents the present. Psalms 23 is not about heaven. It is not about when we get to heaven. It's about right now. It's about the good shepherd taking care of his sheep in the present, and that is so important. Now, here's, here's some instructions. I want, you to, I want to give you three sets of instructions as I conclude this lesson today. And Number one, only allow God's Word to give definition to your life and God's plan for your life. I'll say that again. Only allow God's Word to give definition to your life and God's purpose for your life. What I've shared with you is God's Word. And I believe God's Word communicates to us that God himself has purpose and plan that his people, his children, live in a no-lack state. And I'm saying to you, only allow God's word to give definition. Don't allow Satan to give definition to God's purpose and plan for your life. Don't allow people to give definition to God's purpose and plan for your life. Don't allow your emotions and your feelings. You know, I, there was a time in my life I felt like a, a failure. I felt poor. I felt my emotions, but that wasn't what God was saying. Don't allow your, your, your personal environment, your, your environment and your past environment and your present environment and experiences to give definition to God's purpose. Maybe when you look back in your life, maybe you were born into poverty. Maybe you were raised up in lack. When you look at your present situation, maybe you don't see every need met. Maybe you see a lack, maybe a lack for a job or a lack for a spouse or a lack for a boyfriend or a friend or a girlfriend. You, you see a lack for this or a lack for money to pay your bills or a lack for uh, whatever. Don't allow your experiences don't allow your experiences, past or present, your circumstances, your environment, to give definition. Secondly, resist lack. Resist it. The Bible says in James 4, 7, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. Resist it. I remember 
when I thought that sickness and disease were just a part of life. That was before I came into the knowledge of divine healing, the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross, him bearing my sicknesses, carrying my pains. By his stripes, I was healed. I didn't know anything about that. So I thought you just have to have a sick day. I mean, it's just a part of life. Well, once I came into the knowledge of the truth, I began to resist the sickness. Symptoms come, and I'll say, no, I don't accept that. I get attacked physically. I say, no, Jesus took my infirmities, bore my sickness. I resist COVID-19. I resist infection. I resist. I say, it cannot come near me. Can't even come near me. Infected people can't come near me. Now, listen. You have to resist lack the same way everywhere you see it. If it's a lack for a job, say, I resist that in Jesus' name. I don't receive that. That's not God's plan for my life. If it's the lack of a relationship, I resist that in the name of Jesus. That's not God's plan for my life. I resist uh, whatever it is. You have to open your mouth and resist it. Say, no, I don't accept that condition. No, I don't accept that. And I know this may sound strange to some of you. Because you may have be thinking about lack the same way I thought about sickness. That is just a part of life. No, you have to resist it. You have to resist it because lack is an enemy of God's plan for your life. It is an enemy of God's plan for your life. In fact, hopefully, if you stay with me this year, you're going to get to the place where you hate it. And you can't overcome anything that you don't hate. You got to hate it. You, you, you got to have an aversion for it. You can't, you can't uh, hug it and spend time with it and, and tolerate it. No, you have to resist it. You're bought with the price. The blood of Jesus covers me. God has made every provision. So you have to resist it. And then thirdly, you have to meditate on this no-lack state. This series is going to be about three lessons long. I have two more lessons to talk about this no-lack state. You have to meditate on it. I'm, I'm doing your groundwork for you. I'm, I'm digging out the scriptures. I'm putting it out there. Now you, but I can't meditate for you. I can't meditate the word. The, medi the, the word meditate means to muddle. It means to speak it to yourself. You got to Listen to the uh, podcast, write down the scriptures, look up the scriptures and meditate on it and ponder it. Speak it to yourself, revolve it around in your mind, speak it to yourself, speak it out loud enough for you to hear it. The Lord is my shepherd. There's no lack. I live in a no lack state. There's no lack. You've got to start muttering it, speak it to yourself, speak it out loud. Meditate, personalize it, personalize it, visualize. What, what does it look like in your life to have no lack? What would it look like? Think for a moment. What would it look like financially to have no lack? What would it look like from a physical standpoint to have no lack? What, meditate on it, visualize it, personalize it, sit up and just ponder, okay, in your business, 
and, and, and your ambition, what you're trying to do, what would no like look like? And you've got to begin to think about it and meditate on it and mutter it and speak it and visualize yourself in a position where you have no lack in your life. Meditation almost also means to practice what you're learning. Practice it. Practice it. It's going to take some effort on your part. You, you can't just listen to it and you're through with it, go about your business, wait for next week. No, you're going to have to get in the Word yourself. You're going to have to meditate in the Word yourself. You're going to have to do some work. I'm taking the hard work out. I'm, taking, I'm finding the Scriptures. I'm looking the Scriptures. I'm quoting the Scriptures. I'm sharing the Scriptures. I'm giving you the text. And you can go to your app, and you can look up this, and you can do that. I can't do that part for you. Now, for some of you, you're like me. When I first started hearing the word, I had lack everywhere. It was just lack all. I, I used to say I need a crop in every field. I need a harvest in every field. Spiritually, I was struggling. Mentally and emotionally, I was worried. Physically, my stomach was hurting me every day. My relationship, my, we were having marital issues and struggles and problems in marriage, and the ministry was struggling. I needed a crop in every field. Okay, so for many of you or some of you, you're like me. You need, you, you need a crop in every field. The beginning point for you and for me was I began to align myself verbally with what God said. In fact, I didn't have the resources. I didn't have this. I couldn't make myself have it. So the first the only action I could do initially was to begin to say what God was saying. Lord is my shepherd and I don't lack. I don't have any lack of anything. And it sounds weird at first because that's all you can do in some cases is to begin to align your mouth with what God says. No lack in my life. The Lord is my shepherd. There's no lack. I don't have any lack. All my needs are met. I began to align my words. And for many people, that's what you can offer. That's what you can do in the beginning. And what's going to happen, the Spirit of God is going to take your, your verbal seeds, your words, your confessions, and he's going to begin to direct you in other ways, things that you can do, because he's going to lead you into your path of prosperity. I trust that you will bless. I got a question here. I got a question that I need to answer. Uh, please explain more about the table of provision and the oil. How does the table and the oil represents relationships and anointing? Okay. Okay. When the Bible says that he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies, now listen. Material prosperity, I think it's clear for us to see, the shepherd had to provide food and water, material prosperity. So you're saying, well, how does that represent relationships? Well, think about it. God, to provide us with material prosperity and to not provide us with healthy relationships would mean we got wealth, but we got no one to share it with. 
we have, think about the person who lives in this beautiful house and, and, and successful business, but have no one to share it with. You know, God is about community, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's not doing stuff by himself. Jesus didn't come here and just did stuff by himself. He had 12 apostles. The Bible says it's not good that man should be alone. Relationships are a part of God's provision. So if it's a table that's spread, it has to be a table that, that is concerned about your, your relationships because that wouldn't be total life prosperity to have no healthy relationships. The all represents the anointing. It's the anointing for service. It's one thing to be called to do something. It's another thing to be anointed. So I believe that that table represents total provision for the sheep. Total provision. In other words, the, the sheep not only had to connect with the shepherd, they had to connect with the other sheep. Think about it. There were frictions sometimes between sheep. The shepherd had to take care of all that. Relationships, he had to take a provision, he had to take care of, of all of it. So that table represents total provision. And think about the, think about the shepherd and the sheep. I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Now, in, in Eastern culture, the table was a level top land. The shepherd would go up to the highlands and the level lush grass, he would take them there where everything, he would take them to a place where there was water. He would make sure, pull out all the poisonous weeds, make sure no wild animals could get in that particular area. So it was a place of total provision. And provision has to cover relationships and it has to cover everything else. If he calls us to service, it has to cover that as well. And I hope that answers some of your uh, question. The bottom line on it, is there is a no lack state. And when I studied the Bible, I see nowhere in Scripture where God wanted his people to experience a lack. I don't see it in the Word. And my assignment is to help you renew your mind. Thank you so very much. I enjoy sharing with you today. We, we're going to look at uh, part two uh, in our next lesson, I believe you're going to be blessed. Thank you.